is the last Ronin? In a future battle-ravaged New York City, a lone surviving turtle embarks on a seemingly hopeless mission seeking justice for the family he lost. That is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin, and this is the Comic Book Kaiju Podcast Book of the Month edition. This is our December Book of the Month, and for this episode, I have Mr. Chris Eaton joining me all the way from a cold frozen east of Knoxville, Tennessee. (laughs) How are you, Mr. Eaton? Cold. Um, (laughs) other Other than that, I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well because... I also have on the line with me, coming to us live from the planet of Mempho, Daddy, Marcus Seabury. <laughs> Mercy, Daddy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mr. Seabury, are you, are you keeping warm over there in Memphis? Man, y'all know my southern ass ain't used to this. <laughs> Single digits today. Well, today is double digits. Yesterday was like, Nine, nine is 14. I'm like, I don't feel the difference because <laughs> when you like negative something, I was like, see, Lord, no, Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, it's was- 64 here in Arizona. It was a high of 69 today. Shut it up, was pretty cold. I, in just, our- just- I hate you. <laughs> we ain't friends no more. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. It was pretty cold here in Arizona, but we are here to talk not weather, but. The book of the month, which Mr. Chris Eaton picked, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. Mr. Eaton, why don't you tell us why you selected this selection? So, much like most kids of my, uh, of, of, that came up when I did, I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan. Nice. Now, the difference being that, um, just because of my personality, when I get into something, much like with wrestling, uh, plug for kick out kaiju yeah. um i want to get into the full history of it i want to know everything i want to know the backstory i want to know all of it so i dug into that even as a younger kid and found out about the comics which are much more adult than the cartoon show was yes and i never really like I, a lot of people grow out of things like a well-adjusted adult <laughs> i don't like i just carry stuff with me and I would say Ninja Turtles, I wasn't like super, super into it, but it was always on the periphery of, oh, this is cool. They're doing this thing now or this now. And I'd always sort of stay up to date loosely with it. Mm -hmm. And I started hearing rumblings about this, the last Ronin and how, you know, it started getting rave reviews and things like that. And so I thought I'd check it out and I was blown away. And that's, that's what led me to picking, to picking this uh, particular month. Okay, yeah, and we're kind of similar in the eras in which we grew up. Mr. Marcus Seabury, why don't you tell – I don't think you've ever told me your history with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How, how did you right. come come across them? All right. I was a, I was a Cubs scout once upon a time. Oh, dang. I had a subscription to Boys Life. Boys Life did one of them articles that be low-key condescending. Pow, boom, look, guys, new comic. But in this article, they talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is like maybe spring of 87. Oh, dang. But they messed up some stuff, though. I think they said they did Kung Fu, and they said it it wasn't Master Splinter. They said it was Master Skeeter. 
Uh, oh, skeet, skeet, skeet. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't ready. Should have been ready for that. But I was like, oh, well, that sounds interesting. Y'all know me. I'm, you know, I was, you know, I'm pretty, I was pretty much a superhero guy. I hadn't been enlightened by then. But then, in the fall of 87, I stumbled across, I think it's like a three issue. I mean, or maybe it was five part. It was the, the first 10 new Ninja Turtles animated miniseries. Yes. And then I run back and find my boys like, and I was like, oh, that's them. But they're a cartoon. And oh, because, you know, I still haven't come across the actual comic. So, and, I, and I'm watching because, like, I think. Once it comes back, the first season was like coming on on like Sundays out here, so I would see it sporadically. Then it kind of started blowing up about 89, 90. And you know, I like watch the show pretty, pretty faithfully. Uh, you know, of course, I like Leonardo and Donatello. Um, I saw the first movie theatrically with mm, my mom. Nice. Friday. You know, then, I think, then I think I bought some trading cards. Like, as, as I told you, as I might have told you all before, my parents kind of shamed me out of action figure buying, so I wasn't buying figures. Uh, but I think my cousin, Lee, who was younger than me, had Metalhead. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like the little metal turtle. So, you know, I like, <laughs> you know, I thought that was cool. You know, I kind of looked at his. Um, I absolutely had that one. Yes, I did as well. But it was always kind of surface. Like everyone, like I think I might have, I think Dreamway might have been publishing some Turtles comics for a minute in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I yeah, thought, like, right. read the original Eastman Lair stuff, but I always knew like that stuff really wasn't for kids because they were parodying Daredevil and Ronin, some Frank Miller stuff. Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, I was aware of the different cartoon incarnations of, I think, there, there was a period of my life where I was off every Friday, so I would, like, halfway watch the Ninja Turtles, the next mutation, live action thing that Saban did. Oh, no. Boy, that was... Oh, no. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Still might buy that collection though, because it was just Ooh. I don't know. It just rough. I don't know, man. It, it it like holds a place in my heart, I guess. And like no shame in that. Although they did do a crossover with Power Rangers in space, which however many year old me was absolutely freaking stoked about. Oh yeah. <laughs> about that <laughs> Yeah. Um and like I've seen every movie. Uh, matter of fact, the only one I didn't see theatrically was three. Mm. Turtles in Time. Yes. Time. <laughs> 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 I did on like VHS. And then, you know, I saw the animated TMNT. Then I saw the two that Michael Bay did. Like, like you know, I, I've always watched the movies. I, you know, I kind of glance at the different uh, cartoon interpretation. Now that first one on Nickelodeon, probably my favorite episode was when John Hedder played Napoleon Bonafrog and he's basically doing a Napoleon Dynamite impersonation. <laughs> nice. That was hilarious. But like, 
Yeah, but I hadn't, like I said, I probably hadn't read no Turtles comics outside of a free comic book day special since they, since like a little bit of their dream wave run. So like, you know, I know IDW been doing good stuff. You know, I read publications that talk about comics like Comic Shop News and I'm on, you know, CBR.com. But like I bought the first issue of this and I was just like, yeah, it is cool. And I'm like, but also let me go on trade weight on it because, you know, I don't just be fooling with turtles like that. And and I'm going to tell you, I full disclosure, this very week I went to a local store and bought the physical book. It is a it is a nice, pretty, beautiful trade collection. Very much so. I actually got it, um, and it, it kind of spurred this pick. Um, now I don't I don't know if this is well known, and I don't know how much of of the movie was filmed there, but some of the first theatrical movie was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm. And I actually I didn't think about that till like right now, but I bought it at a comic shop in Wilmington, North Carolina. Shout out Memory Lane Comics. Nice, very nice. All right, well, all right, since since, since we're doing shout out, shout out novel <laughs> where I bought my copy. <laughs> Memphis baby. And I actually picked up mine on Amazon on Kindle. They have a sale going on. It's only six dollars. So if you're into the digitals. Can check out the last Ronin on Amazon slash Kindle. Now I have a similar upbringing as to all of you. The animated series was what I got into first, and then later on I found out oh, there's comic books of these things. Also, big into the um, action figures, and then as each animated series came out over the years, I followed them, followed along with the live action films, including the Michael Bay's. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has always been one of those franchises that's been in my life. And I was thinking about the legacy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as I was reading The Last Ronin in 2022, thinking about my 19 early 1990s self, loving pizza, loving martial arts, loving the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I said, you know, there's few franchises that, number one, are indie. They were created independently. And then number two, that stand the test of time that so many generations, multiple generations love the same franchise. Really, the only other one I could think of just off the top of my head was Star Wars, where just every generation I can think of has a Star Wars story and relates to Star Wars in a different way. The same thing can be said about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it's funny because... Um, in the the forward of the the collection, Robert Rodriguez, he has a quote on the front, but he also writes the forward. And he talked about how his children, each child can define their turtles experience based off of whatever era they were growing up and whatever animated show was on at that time. And they all related back to, oh yeah, that's not authentic unless it's the 2002 animated series or, you know, whatever it was. And I just, I found that fascinating that, it can have that hold on people's imaginations for that long. And that gets into that Grant Morrison thing eaten of these characters are, some of our, are, are going to be more real than we are because right. they're around Just because they're us. fictional doesn't mean they're not real. Yeah. Right. They're around before us. They'll be around after us and just people's imaginations keeps them alive. 
So that's what I was thinking about was just kind of the legacy of the turtles as I was reading last Ronin, but just the premise alone got me interested. I was actually reading this as it came out issue to issue. The only really negative thing I can say about this story was the release of it as if you're reading it in trade, you're not going to have any of these problems, but there was a lot of delays and to the point where it was like, I had forgot what was happening in the story and I had to come back and reread things. So the release schedule was, was the only real negative thing I could say about the book, but the actual story itself, it's that type of sci-fi thing that I love that. What if scenario, the dark Knight returns future storyline where the hero has to come, you know, save the come out of retirement or save the city for the last time. I love that. And it's even got some of that Frank Miller Ronin, you know, story of obviously being called the last Ronin and just his inspiration of Daredevil in general on the turtles is, can be felt and is prevalent throughout. So I had a really good time with, as I was reading the last Ronin and then kind of, uh, like I said, thinking about the legacy of the turtles and I can't just think of too many other franchises that are going to have this type of impact and be independent ideas of, all right, these two guys came up with them and never would have thought there's a couple documentaries that you can watch on, I think Paramount plus, and I think there's one on Netflix also, but just the, the rise of the turtles. Yes. The, the uh, toys that made us uh, teenage mutant Ninja turtles episode. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't, like I said, I never thought in the nineties I would be a grown man thinking about the turtles. And that's what Eaton said about letting go. And I, I think our generation is like that. It's there's so many things that we see today that are popular, that were popular when we were kids and not, not just the turtles, but even superhero stuff and um, different, let, let's say masters of the universe has a new animated show on Netflix. So it's just all cyclical. Everything's coming back um, in waves and in phases. But um, Eaton, was there anything that kind of grabbed a hold of you and, and made you say, this is the story that I want to talk about for our book of the month? Like, what was it about The Last Ronin that kind of captured your attention? A few things. Um, first of all, the art is fantastic. Yes. Um, yes. But I really think you can't, properly talk about this book without talking about its influences mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is i don't think this story exists if it's not for the dark knight returns as you mentioned yes um there's several things that this story does that improve upon uh in my opinion what happens in dark knight returns mm. um if you look some look at something like um in the dark knight returns batman's internal monologue being out there for us to to read as as thought bubbles well um that gets externalized in this story and we see the last ronin's no spoilers for who that is we see uh the last ronin's internal monologue being externalized through the device of this greek chorus of of ghosts that are haunting his brain Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is genius. Mm -hmm. Um, there's another story that's probably a, it's not probably it's a lot less well known than The Dark Knight Returns that 
I don't know if it's a direct influence or, or if it's just a correlation in my mind, but the last volume of Grant Morrison's run on new X-Men is called here comes tomorrow. Mm. And it is set in the future and it's only tangentially connected to what happened in the previous volume. And it's sort of this dystopian, you know, setting. And it, for some reason, my mind drew a direct correlation from that book to this one. So those are the two big influences that really stuck into my mind. But what, what really stuck out to me and why I wanted to talk about it was, I think this is the dark Knight returns, but it has fixed everything that you could even say was a nitpick about the dark Knight returns. Um, it it's a serious story, but it doesn't feel overly self-important. Uh, it, it it's epic without feeling like it's trying to be epic. And I think if we look at from 2022, if we look at Dark Knight Returns, I feel like it's kind of trying to be what it what what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I feel like this is just trying to tell a good story, and it does. Um, and I'm not trying to dunk on the Dark Knight Returns. I love that book. You know, yeah, but, but let's keep it a buck though. Them sequels are a little shaky. Oh yeah. Matter of fact, GK two is some bull crap. I'm sorry. I will. I will stand by and argue that forever. Actually, that's I, yeah, a, you're not wrong. That's an interesting thing, Seabury. I wanted to actually uh, put a little pin in that. What do you think the sequels impact the legacy of the original Dark Knight Returns? Do you think they lower or lessen it in any way? Because they are so bad. Yeah, well, I'm going to say this. Three is cool to me only because Brian Azzarello, like, co-writes. So, like, he gets mm-hmm. to rein in whatever mania is afflicting Frank Miller. <laughs> so, like, I can, I can, I can tolerate three. Mm-hmm. But, 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 yeah, two, I was just like, oh, well, I ain't going to front. I lied for a while and thought that, you know, it was okay. But then, <laughs> once, but once all star Batman and Robin Town, like it's my hero's crazy. All right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like I love you, now. but you're not <laughs> But um, yeah, dude, because like I've literally heard conversations in bookstores like, oh, that's the first dark night. Well, you know, I started with two and I hated it so bad. And and, and look, I was like, no, no, this is before Frank Miller went crazy. <laughs> Let's let me add, that's a, actually a good question, actor too. So, so let's apply that logic then that question to mm-hmm. the turtles. How do you think that this story, which is a very adult, very let's be honest, in places grim yes. story, how do you think that impacts the uh, lineage or uh, legacy of? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which for the most part, at least in popular media, has been a very kid-friendly brand. Yeah. Well, I think it adds to the original. It's it's like an extension of the Mirage comics. And yeah. that was what, like you said, very much darker and grittier than what the animated show was. Yeah. And for many years, I remember trying to convince people like, hey, Turtles did not start off as cowbunga dudes like a surfer pizza loving guys like it was serious daredevil slash teen titans yeah i mean the first movie isn't even all the way that right right yeah oh man when raphael get like hurt hurt i was like whoa 
Hold yeah. the phone, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I man, I still love that. I still quote that first movie and the second one um, quite a bit. But yeah, those darker turtles to me are what I'm interested in as an adult. Darker obviously. turtles are better turtles. Yeah, the the kid friendly, um, and we've seen a lot of those with with the more recent animated shows as well. They're fine, I think, for continuing the franchise and continuing okay we got to get new readers in we got to get new fans in but the grim and gritty turtles is what kind of keeps my attention so this the last ronin i think like i said it's just another piece of this puzzle now that we're that's continuing to be created as we go along here and i did an episode earlier with uh my buddy justin jorphy on the IDW turtles line that's currently going on right now. And great stuff. I still have not caught up on that, but I will. I, uh, I promise you I will get caught up on it. And it seems like that run, the current IDW run of the main TMNT title, as well as this last Ronin are puzzle pieces. And I think going to be anchors for the future of people talking about the quality of turtles overall and TMNT mm-hmm. stuff. I think the the franchise is in good hands right now because of the creators that are coming on and giving their take on the the turtles. So I think Last Ronin is just like I said, an extension of the Mirage, the original Mirage comics, and the really, you know, what also improves upon the Mirage comics is the art style is still hard for me to get into when I go back and look at those original mirage comics and on free oh, comic black book and day, white yeah the free the black and white and then just the the way the turtles are drawn the the character style i'm just not right. a fan of but the teenage mutant ninja tortoises yeah, yeah exactly yes the they did a free comic book day um rendering that was the original story but in a newer modern art style um, oh I, nice i thought that was kind of interesting but yeah that's just to answer your question i think it it's going to prop up the franchise. I think Last Ronin is just going to be a, a pillar for them to stand on. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's it's this is the kind of story, and and like you said, you see it as a as a sort of a bookend of the Mirage comics. Mm-hmm. What's great about the writing of this story is it can be the last Turtle story in any canon. Yes, right. That's what's fantastic about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've entered this age where multiple versions of a property can exist at the same time. You know, right. like, for example, there's a more serious He-Man on Netflix that picks up where the 80s show left off and went yes. in a more proper direction. But it's really good, too. <laughs> yes. He-Man the Master of the Universe. If you like that, if you want to introduce your your kids to it, also the same, you know, Transformers has, you know, the movies which kind of get grim and, you know, the comics which, which are kind of serious, but then they have some cartoons that are, you know, like the, like the doing on Paramount Plus that kind of have some lighter moments to it. I mean, I, I think it's just and I guess Turtles might have been the pioneers of that because like, because mm-hmm. you had Grim comics and then you hear like cartoons and like um, lighter, yeah, like you like the Archie comics, you know, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. Which, yeah, which were you know more more kitty, and and mm-hmm. it's like, 
I knew the difference. You know, <laughs> I wasn't confused. And, right. and, and I mean, I think we kind of hit the age where people are like, all right, I'll have my kids read this version. I'll read this version, whatever, whatever. And um, right. I mean, um, I just think it's brilliant, man. I just yeah. think it's well done just all around, man. And it's like a great little, like, you know, kind of like a mission of vengeance and, and um and and just the last Ronin. It, it's just very entertaining. It draws you in. And um I know there's a prequel story that's that that's about to come out soon. And I'm like, you know what? I kinda welcome it. Like I want it to keep going. Yeah. I really like the world building that mm-hmm. in this yeah. book. Same. It kind of feels completed to me, mm-hmm. like that. Like the world is is like an, a character in the story, kind of like a, a Batman Beyond with New Gotham, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think, like you said, um, this is definitely an interesting bookend to the Mirage story, and um, I, I know I've talked to a few people that kind of got a little uh dusty at the end and i think it's it's a great emotional tale that mm-hmm. it goes on um throughout you know if i had one nitpick i would say it's the villain the overall villain of this story i just didn't find him that compelling i was much more involved in the antagonist and the ghost like you said that the chorus line that whole journey and and bring in my own baggage of the turtles from my my youth right into this i just th- thought that the 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 villain was just not up to par for where i wanted him to be let me let me so i want to talk about the villain for a second um i feel like you can look at this two ways you can look at it like is it worthy of the villains they've dealt with before Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you know, in 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 the shadow of of the shredder and right. Krang and so forth. Right. Um, Uruku Hiroto is the worst, <laughs> like the actual worst. And I don't mean he's a lame <laughs> villain. I mean he's just the worst. Evil, evil. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you you really that's honestly this this story would still be good without such a like megalomaniacal yet also somehow bratty um you know foil for the last ronin but man i was invested in seeing this dude get his butt kicked yeah um pretty early on yeah i was like uh you know turtle dude got to handle him (laughs) yeah he needs to die yeah, I wanted to see that man get dealt with. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, he he was a habitual line stepper. <laughs> like, yeah, yes. Uh, uh, you wanted to, I wanted to see, I wanted to see the last run and open up a open up a can of ninja on him. Yeah. <laughs> Eaton, I had a thought while we were um, discussing legacy for a second there. What are your thoughts on, and and I specifically. I'm asking you because I know your education background. Mm-hmm. Growing up, we had stories that existed in a 
not a time capsule, but they just they had a beginning, middle, and end. Let's say like Moby Dick, right? Some sure they had these literary classics as we were growing up. Those stories existed and they ended. Now we do, we have stories like this, or we are I should say we have franchises like this that okay, we're gonna tell you every story that has ever existed. And then we're going to tell you the stories after that. And then we're going to tell you the stories before that. And we're going to tell you the stories of their mamas and their daddies and then their daddy's uh, brother-in-laws. So it's all of these connected storylines. Do you think that is better or worse than just having the main thing itself? Like just having the main story? That's a really good question. And I I think it depends on the story. Mm. Um, Really good example. Um, not to turn this into a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> I love the movie Rogue One. Yeah, it's probably top th- top three, maybe top two Star Wars movies for me. Nice. Now that to me is a story that needed telling. Um, Solo, although all praise is due to Donald Glover as Lando. <laughs> um tried to answer a lot of questions that I don't think anybody was asking. Right. And I think that's a lot of times what prequels do and sequels Mm. sometimes. Right. Right. Is try to answer questions that nobody was asking. Right. This particular story, I don't feel like it does that. I think it's just trying to tell a new story in a, in a, in a, in a new setting with with some you know time honored characters i agree yeah We're, i i uh i think like there's there's this like you said with with a lot of franchises right now it's about creating the content so the content can be consumed and more yes. money can be made which right. that's entertainment and i mm-hmm. understand that um but i also think there's something to be said for saying okay this story is correct and this story doesn't need anything else. It, I, I could expand, but um, uh, just a quick sidebar, a good example of this. There's a video game that came out in 1995, Super Nintendo. It was very important to my life. Still is. It's called Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Probably my favorite video game ever made. Nice. And they made a very loose sequel called Chrono Cross for the PlayStation uh, back in like 99, I think. Yes. And people have always wanted an, another sequel or a remake or something like that. And not that I wouldn't be stoked to see it, but that story is so crystallized in my mind and the look of that story and the sound of the music um, that I don't think you need to touch it. Like hmm. I, you could make a remake and of course I'd play it, but it wouldn't be the thing. Right. Just like with final fantasy seven. So I think, the reboots or the remakes or the prequels or sequels. I think it depends on the quality of the work, obviously the story itself. And then the questions it's trying to answer. But also I think there is an aversion to stuff that just goes on forever. forever. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. on our previous podcast, black nerd power, you know, we had a woman on show Kimber and she would gladly state, I don't like things that don't eat it. Yeah. Right. Oh, like she she wasn't heavy into like a, like a lot of superhero stuff because mm-hmm. it doesn't end and like right. um, and also I think then you're also getting into the shared universe thing. Of, wait a minute, 
it's like three different people wrote this character and they all wrote them a little bit different and it's right. like also I yeah. think that's kind of how manga is winning right now in America because most of the time it's the same creative team yeah and, and it's and it's kind of the same vision even if they go back for sequels it's like normally the same people telling the story and it's like ah you know this is the vision this is the goal and it kind of flows a little bit better so you know you always have to uh be aware of it like i remember a friend who was like man i'm reading spawn because spawn it was like 96 he was like spawn started like 92 that's only four years he was like y'all be talking, talking all that x-men stuff i'm like i don't know where to start it's a lot so i mean you know dang and now you, you look at it and spawn has its own universe it's like 30 years yeah. of continuity and yeah, all these different spawns running around, but um, yeah. yeah, I think it's just an interesting dichotomy of okay, this is a different style of storytelling, and some people, you know, it's, it's not different strokes for different folks. Some people like it, some people don't like it. But mm-hmm. I agree with Mister Eaton. The last Ronin, in particular, it I think it just strengthens the overall brand, as I was saying earlier of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And this is one that I'm happy to have in my collection. And I was looking at some last Ronin figures, boys, and there might be a new figure alert coming. Uh, I, I bought that one. Oh, yeah. Um, At, at the comic shop in oh. Wilmington, I saw it. And I said, uh, I think I'm going to buy my first Ninja Turtle figure <laughs> in about 30 years. Yeah. Um, Because the design is so dope. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that well, I love so good. I love that it has every weapon from all yes. brothers, and so it's yes, like it does. the last Ronin is the amalgam turtle. Like it's like every yeah. turtle put together into one, paying tribute to the fallen brothers. But yeah, yeah, that's that's just a great design, great figure overall. And um, this story I forgot to say was co-written by Kevin Eastman, the one of the original co-creators of the turtles. Um, so there is that authentic feel to it um, that Tom Waltz also co-wrote the story. Um, but yeah, it's definitely in that the same, it's authentic turtles. It lives up to the hype. If if you've been hearing about The Last Ronin, I think all three of us give it a 100% buy recommendation. Yeah, get buy that book. It is our book of the month for December of 2022 ending the year strong on the comic book kaiju actually before we go mr marcus seabury did you have any closing thoughts it's an amazing book again it just drew me in um i could have finished it in one day i just yeah. chose to like stretch it out like yeah guys it is a it is a it is a good read it is a thrilling entertaining read there is backstory but but even the backstory is compelling um and you know you'll see future versions of like you know a lot of people you've known from movies and comics and you and you know and you'll kind of see the offspring of some people it's just it's just a damn good comic man yeah (laughs) it is um before we get out of here I wanted to, I, I have one, like it's, it's an aside it, it, by the book. That's all I'll say about the book. It, it's fantastic. I have a, I have a Ninja Turtles based memory and it's the holiday season. Mm. And this has to do 
uh, with uh, on on Geekland, my dad uh, Tim Eaton stepped in and recorded with us several times. Yeah, and of course he passed away in 2012, and actually this year be 10 years, which see is crazy. But I had the the like one of my best Christmas memories is I don't remember how old I was, but um. We were opening presents. We do our thing on Christmas Eve, which is tomorrow. So I'm mm. excited. I'm going to be traveling west tomorrow. But uh, we're sitting there, and there's this huge, like, refrigerator sized box wrapped up. And, uh, and when we're done passing out presents, I see it's for me. And my dad steps up and, and uh, he, he, he opens the thing, you know, because it's huge, mm-hmm. way taller than me. And he opens this refrigerator box and literally every Ninja Turtle comes spilling out onto me. I am buried oh, under I am buried under Ninja Turtle figures. And that is one of my most treasured like Christmas memories. So, you know, uh happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Uh, maybe you can have some good Ninja Turtle memories. Or it's just some good memories for anything that you're into with your family this year. I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, that is perfect, Mr. Eaton. Also perfect, Mr. Chris Eaton and Marcus Seabury do a wrestling podcast called The Kickout Kaiju that you can check out each and every week. Mr. Eaton and Mr. Seabury are reviewing different wrestling matches. They do commentary as the match uh, unfolds. So you can always check them out at the kick out Kaiju, our sister podcast on the Kaiju Network. Uh, perhaps we will have one day, boys. So I'm looking forward to it. What's the next episode coming up? Who's what's the next match? <laughs> the next one's gonna be fun. Uh it'll in matter of fact, it'll be uh the first of twenty, you know, January first, twenty twenty three is nice. at time of recording with a friend of mine who was like my roommate during college and uh, still like one of my best friends. Uh, he's going to sit in with us for a match that I will not give you anything more than the name. It is the invisible man versus invisible Stan. <laughs> oh, mercy daddy. I cannot wait to listen to that episode. And I think all of our listeners cannot wait. So thank you very much for joining us each and every week. And as Mr. Eaton said, we hope you have a wonderful holiday and a great wrap up to your year of 2022 we will see you in 2023 where we will still be loving comics and you should too geeks out